Think with me for a moment. What, what's the biggest prayer that you ever prayed that was answered? Biggest prayer. I mean, the biggest request that you went to God with that you saw an answer. I had been at my first ministry spot for six weeks. I had a whopping three teenagers in the youth group that I was the youth minister of, and we were getting after it. It was an awesome time. And the pastor called me and said, all right, here's what's going to happen. Every week we're going to start praying for God to send revival. And I said, all right, so... Wednesday afternoon, I got through with classes, drove about an hour south of the college that I was attending, and went into the pastor's office, and we started praying. And we prayed. Others came in and joined us. And one of the things that that group asked God for was for the town drunk to get saved. And we prayed every week, let him get saved, let him get saved, God send revival. We had revival services set up, and God showed up. The town drunk got saved. Went into the schools that week, and 75 students came to know the Lord. And sure, there were two other churches in town, but the youth group that I was killing it with, with the number of three, the next week had 55. I didn't know what to do with three, let alone what to do with 55 youth that I was, for some of them, I was about two and a half to three and a half years older than. But God did an amazing work. So what's the biggest request that you have seen God answer? If you have a copy of God's Word this morning, and I hope that you do, turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We are going to continue our journey down Route 66 in this segment that we have already looked at some under prophets and kings. We are going to look at the life or one segment of the life of King Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to read for us the first 15 verses this morning. I want us to see two truths out of these 15 verses. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest, they could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw, when they saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down 
with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. The priests stood at their post. The Levites also with the instruments for music to the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry. Opposite them, the priests sounded trumpets and all Israel stood. As Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar... Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. At that time, Solomon held the feast for seven days and all Israel with him. A very great assembly from Labo Hamath to the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly. For they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. Verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then, then, the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin And heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Let's pray. Lord, we read your word. Father, It would be amazing. It would be amazing to see that moment. But Father, it is also amazing. The day that we live in. 
to see you move in a heart, to change darkness with light, to change an eternity away from you, to be an eternity with you. It is amazing to see you work. No matter the scale, because of you, the one who is working. So Father, as we look at this passage, Lord, as we see you in this passage, May our focus, our attention, our gaze be on You. Thank You for our time. Lord, thank You for these that are in this place. Lord, I pray that You would speak to us individually. Every man, every student, every woman that is in this room, God, that You would speak to us individually. Let us know exactly where we stand with You. Father, for those of us that know You, would we be drawn close to You? To hear a Father's heartbeat. To hear a Father's cry. For how You and I, how we, Your church, Lord. God, how we should act on a daily basis. Father, for those that are in this room that don't know You, God, would You use today, would You use this passage to show how much You love them? God, draw them close to You. And may You receive glory. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Isn't that how you want your prayers to be answered? I mean, you prayed. Just like Solomon prayed. If you look back one chapter, even two chapters in 2 Chronicles chapter 5 and chapter 6, you see the prayer that Solomon prayed. It was a grand prayer. It was a prayer for all of Israel. It was a prayer for the temple. And as soon as he said, Amen, fire came down. Isn't that how you would want your, isn't that how we want our prayers? We want to pray one time and God to move. I mean, fire came down and it consumed everything that was supposed to be consumed. Smoke filled the temple. The glory of the Lord filled the temple so that the priest couldn't even go inside. Do you think his prayer was answered? By all means, yes. And yet you and I sometimes pray and we're like, Lord, is this prayer even getting past the ceiling? I mean, you did hear me, right? I've been praying for this and praying for this and praying for this. Lord, why will you not answer? Solomon prays and God shows up and God shows out. You and I speak so often and it's as if we're speaking to a different God. When I read a passage like this one and there are a number of them in scripture but when I read a passage like second chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 through 4 I ask myself why him why then why not now and this week as I was thinking about that I think there are four 
answers that we might look at to, to see that question answered. Why Him and not us? Why then and not now? So let me run through these very quickly. The first is this, I believe it was timing. His prayer and the prayer that he prayed and God's answer to that prayer came about for timing. When did it happen? It happened when the temple was finished and Solomon was dedicating the temple and because of that timing, God showed out. Second, I believe it kind of goes with that. I believe that it was a marker. Similar to this timing, there was a marker given by God. He did this, and He continues to do this when major movements or changes occur. God was showing His people something that they were to remember. That they were to pass down to future generations so that they too would live a certain way and acknowledge Him as who He is. So it was timing, it was a marker. A third is just because of who God is. He's God. Another reason for God doing this is just for Himself. Who He is and how He responds in the midst of our prayers or even in the midst of time itself. He did it because He could. A A final one or a fourth one this morning It's a reason why then and not now, why him and not us. I believe it's because of this. From Genesis to Revelation, we have his written word. They didn't. From Genesis to Revelation, the whole account from creation all the way to eternity out in the future, we have His Word written for you, for me, for us. They did not have the whole account. So therefore, I believe He acted in this particular way, in those particular moments, because of that. What are we trying to get across in this series that I've entitled it Route 66. We're trying to see the overarching story, the overarching meta-narrative, so to speak, of God and His introduction and His um, timing or His activity in creation. We're trying to get across what all this means. So if that's the case and I believe that it is, I want us to spend just a few moments trying to see this first truth. And here's the first truth, that you and I look at the dynamic response as it is being conveyed to a properly offered prayer. Solomon offers this prayer and God dynamically responds. And as he is responding and as he is showing up and showing out, as he answers this prayer, you and I need to see over in the book of Acts a couple of things trying to answer why then and not now. In Acts chapter 2, the church begins. 
Same God on the throne as in 2 Chronicles. Same God in Acts chapter 2, that first uh, century after Christ was born, after He died in that first century, God is still on the throne. And now, some 2,000 years after Christ was born, same God. And in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it states this, When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together. They are the disciples, the followers of Christ. They were all together in one place. Now in Acts chapter 2, it doesn't state why they were there, but here's why they were there. They were scared to death. They did not want to be outside, so they had locked themselves for some 10 days. They were in this upper room, this area, in secret. They were there all together in one place, and suddenly... There came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house. Um, kind of like Second Chronicles chapter 7. Filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, Luke tells us in Acts chapter 2, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound the multitudes came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. At the beginning of the church age, when the church began in Acts chapter 2, there was something like this. God showing up and showing out in such a way that everyone around could see. This is God. How did it come about? Well, there were tongues on top of their heads, and they were speaking in different languages. These uneducated men from Galilee were speaking in languages that they had never spoken before. These Jews, devout men from all over the world, were hearing them speak in their own language. God was the same then. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, he's the same in Acts chapter 2. What about a little further in Acts? In Acts chapter 8, it's, there's a, a new continent that opens for the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, we, st- we see this in verse 26. It states this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. I know we jumped right into the midst of a story or an episode in history, but what was happening with Philip was a whole city came to know Jesus. Whole communities were hearing the gospel and lives were being changed. And God says, hey, go down to that desert road. Nobody's there. Philip goes. He arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him. 
and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I'm sure Philip was happy that he no longer had to run. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation or his generation? For his life is taken away from death. And when they came up out of the water, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, because Philip had baptized this Ethiopian who had believed, when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. A whole continent is opened. What does God do? God tells Philip to leave a revival that's happening in a community and go to a desert road. And then when he brings this man out of the water, Philip is just taken away. And the Ethiopian unit doesn't see him. When the church begins, when a whole new gate, a whole new continent opens, amazing things are on display. And finally, in Acts chapter 10, when a whole new people, a whole new people group. Acts chapter 10, Luke records this. The next day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And they, there came a voice to him and stated, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten the greatness of bacon. Did y'all's translation not state that? For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that had uh, been seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went. Skip forward just a few verses. In verse 30, it states this, And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, 
I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa to ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. And you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here. Cornelius has invited everybody that he knows. We're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on even the Gentiles. Every single time that there is a major event, that there is a gate opening for new ministry, Every time God shows up and He shows out, He answers prayer mightily. And He does it in such a way that it is displayed for all to see. Why? So that they might know, so that you and I might know that it's Him. That it's not just something that that has been thought up in the thick skull airy head of a finite man. No, an infinite, minutely detailed, almighty God has stated, this is how I want to be known. So in those first four verses of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we see God answer a prayer. And Him do it in such a way that is displayed for every single person, they've got to know that it's God. But the second truth comes in the form of verses 11 through 15. This second exhibition, or truth, is seen by a definitive mark or marks of a covenant. Let me read verses 11 through 15. And I know that we're looking at a a number of verses this morning. But let me read verses 11 through 15 for you again. And I want you to see if you can just pick out the covenant and the definitive marks of how that covenant will be played out or is played out along the lines of an if-then statement. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then, then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or when I command the locusts to devour the land, or when I send pestilence among my people, if my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that, has, that is made in this place. Do you see the definitive marks of the covenant? The if-then statements? There are a couple of those here. When Solomon finished the house, then the Lord appeared. The Lord didn't appear before he finished the house. Not, not for this. But when Solomon finished what the Lord had for him, God showed up. And he said, hey, I heard your prayer. You saw what happened because I heard your prayer, right? Fire came down, consumed everything, smoke filled every aspect of the temple because I showed up. Well, here's some marks of this covenant. And that covenant wasn't just for Solomon. It wasn't just for Israel. It's for you and me as well. It is being built upon Covenant after covenant of God's people between them and him are being built upon. And this is one of those. He states this, if my people, my sons and daughters who are called by my name, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek my face, if they turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So God's people, God's people, sons and daughters of His. If my people who are called by my name, those who are called Christian in the room, if we would humble ourselves, it's a word that Western cultures Abhor. Humility. It's not if God would humble us. We do not want God to humble us. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If you, sir, would humble yourself. If you, ma'am, would humble yourself. If we would humble ourselves and pray. This past week, there were multiplied hours that you were given. You were free. Air quotes around that. You had free time this past week to do whatever you wanted to do. How much of that time did you pray? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, how much of that time this past week did you seek His face? How much of that time this past week did you turn from your wicked ways? Well, there was that 42-second spot on Tuesday afternoon that I was right there tracking with him. I mean, it was an awesome 42 seconds, right? What about the rest of the week? If my people, God says, 
as a definitive mark of the covenant. If you would humble yourself, sir, if you would seek His face, ma'am, if you would pray, students, if we would turn from our wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven. God will forgive your sin. God will heal, heal our land. There's not a person in here that would say that our land does not need healing. There's not a person in here that would say, I don't believe there's a person in here that would say, you know what, I, I don't need any sins forgiven. I'm good. We look at the person in the mirror and we know we're not good. God states to you and to me, hey, Brian, seek my face. Brian, you want me to forgive you? Turn from that wickedness. Hey, River Bend, you want to be a healthy church? Come and pray. Come and seek my face. Come and spend time with me. Then I will show up. Then I will show out. He desires for you and He desires for me to come to Him. To one of the prophets, the prophet Jeremiah, God stated this in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Call to me. Call to me. Hey, call to me. And I will answer you. And I will show you great and hidden or great and mighty things that you did not even know about. We read passages like Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, 2 Chronicles chapter um, 7, Genesis chapter 22, or Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 50, we read these major passages of Scripture and we're like, why didn't God act now like He did then? He does. You and I just aren't desperate enough to come before Him, to seek His face. If we're honest, you and I haven't turned from our wicked ways. Every single one of us. God has made a way for you and He's made a way for me to know Him. Every single one of us have an opportunity. God says, I love you this much, Brian. I love you this much, River Bend. I love you, sir. I love you, ma'am, this much that I made a way for you to have a relationship with me. You couldn't make it on your own? I get that. So here, I'll give my son. Yet for so often and for so long, you and I say to God, ah, we got today. Today's okay. I got responsibilities. I, I'll do it on my own. Maybe today you have, but maybe God doesn't give you tomorrow. Maybe today you have, but God doesn't give you next week. 
There will come a day that you will see him face to face. I'm going to see him face to face. There will come a day that I'm going to stand in front of him and he's going to say, Brian, son, you, you missed it so much right over here. I was like, yep, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I didn't set out to miss it, but I see you face to face right now, Lord. Exactly, I missed it. You're going to stand there. All of us will stand there. And before we do, why don't you seek Him? Before you go to bed tonight, why don't you seek Him? Why don't you just get alone? Maybe it's after this is us. I don't even know if it comes on tonight. Doesn't matter. Maybe it's after the last whistle of March Madness tonight. Maybe it's after the last cry of the toddler that's in your house and he finally goes to sleep. Why don't you get alone and just seek him? What's it going to cost you? It's going to cost you that much, but it could give you that much. Father, I read a passage. God, I read a passage of how you display your splendor and you display your might. And Lord, I look at life in 2018 in Mississippi. And Father, I see rut after rut after rut of my own life. I see rut after rut after rut of others' lives. And you're the same God. You have not changed. You, you have stated that in Malachi that you, the Lord, you do not change. You were the same God on Mount Moriah in Genesis chapter 22 as on Mount Calvary in Matthew's Gospel or Mark's Gospel. You're the same God. And you have continually shown us that you love us and that you desire for us. Lord, you desire for us to know you. Father, this morning I pray for these men and these women in this room. Every male and female. God, that, that you would show them. God, let them see how much you love us. And what you've done for us. Why would we not want you, Lord? Why would we not want to spend time with you? Why would we not want to come to you? God, would you show me that? Show us that one more time. Get it through our, our thick skulls one more time, Father. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for displaying that love on a hill called Calvary. Thank you, Father, that three days later in that borrowed tomb, you arose, King Jesus. You came out of the grave and we serve a risen Savior. We are not defeated. 
Father, your enemy is a defeated foe. We are not. We are sons and daughters of the King. May we live that way. May we live that way, expressing that as we see a boss tomorrow. As we come into a conversation that turns into conflict or an argument, may we display you because we're yours, Father. Lord, it's so easy for me. It's so easy for us to stay in this rut. God, would you break through? May this be the moment, may this be the day that you would break through in me, in us. May we see those definitive marks of the covenant that you have called us into. God, would you move? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd stand and join us as we sing, it is a a song that we call a response song or an invitation. You are invited to come to the front. Maybe you need to kneel at the altar. Maybe you need to talk with me, pray with me. I'll be more than happy to. But whatever or wherever, respond back to Him. He's seeking you. Would you respond?